Welcome to the Inside BS interview series here at the Do This Sell More show. This week, our guest makes the phrase starving artist absolutely obsolete. In fact, our guest is more of an entrepreneur than she is an artist. I would say that she is as good an entrepreneur as she is an artist, and she's a fantastic artist. If you're watching on YouTube right now, you're seeing a uh, collage, if you will, of the different art projects that our guest today, Becca Cassell, has put together. These are murals. They are the size of the side of a building. She also does custom artwork for the interior of people's homes. And she is a fantastic entrepreneur. She's going to enlighten us today. She's going to share with us the secrets of how she's built and grown her business. Before we get into the actual interview, let me do her some justice by reading her bio right off of her website. Her website is beccacastell.com, B-E-C-A-C-A-S-T-E-L.com. And she's a professional artist that specializes in custom paintings and murals for homes, businesses, and commercial properties. She's located here in South Florida, but she will travel all over the world to deliver a fantastic art project to you. She's an alumnus of the prestigious New World School of the Arts, and she is based here in Miami. Her artwork is fantastic. I highly encourage you to go to her website and check it out. You can also look for her on Instagram and on YouTube. All of that information is in the show notes. Sit back and relax and enjoy my interview today with the Miami-based artist, Becca Castell. Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS series here on the Do This Sell More show. My name is Dave Lorenzo, and today we've got a really exciting show for you. My friend Becca Castell is with us today, and she's going to tell us about the business of being an artist. Becca does murals, and if you watched the intro on YouTube, those of you who are on the podcast, you need to go to the YouTube channel, watch the intro. I've shown a whole host of some of the different pieces that Becca has created. The pictures that you saw there were some that I took of one of her murals here in the Wynwood section of Miami, but there are also uh, pictures of some of the other pieces that she's done. We're going to talk to her today about the business of being an artist as well as the creative aspects of being an artist. So please join me in welcoming Becca to the show. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Dave, so much for having me on the show. I'm very grateful. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you here. So we talk to business people all the time about the work that they do. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started being an artist and why you chose art as as your business? Uh, well, not to sound too cliche, but art has always been um, a part of my life. Um, on my mom's side, we come from a very artistic family, musicians, writers, um, artists as well. So that's something in my blood and always been a passion. And um, I guess you could say I've been doing murals since I was three years old, uh, vandalizing uh, <laughs> the apartment, like the landlord said. <laughs> um, but uh, so I went to a New World School of the Arts for high school. Um, New World School of the Arts is not to be biased, but it is the top um, art school in the country um, for high school. So you may have seen the, the movie Fame. And 
it's very similar atmosphere to that. Uh, so that was a wonderful experience and that really took me to another level. Uh, it was kind of more of a college experience and it, um, it really prepared you from a technical standpoint, it really prepared you for the art world um, in terms of meeting deadlines, um, perfecting your craft, um, knowing how to talk about your artwork and kind of giving a little, um, uh, just kind of a little bit of the reality of how the art world works or from the teacher's perspective. And so um, after I graduated high school, I decided to actually change path and I was, okay, I don't need to go to art school um, anymore. I want to focus more on, let's say, the business and the marketing aspect of, of art. Um, I also not only do come from a family of artists, but also from my father's side, I come from a family of business owners. Uh, so I was kind of grateful to grow up in two different types of worlds. And um, with that experience, I saw, well, I don't want to be a starving artist. I want to be a successful artist. So what are the different ways um, that that can happen? So uh, I went to FIU for, I uh, got a bachelor's in international relations and hospitality management. And then I got a master's at Full Sail University for internet marketing. Um, so with kind of those experience gave me um, different ways of how to speak with clients from around the world. Um, also kind of give better insight, um, communicating with different types of people, uh, how the art world works. Um, I used to work in the hotel industry and uh, in the hospitality industry. And I'm, it was a very high end hotel and I met a lot of people, um, a lot of the, the I guess, auctioneurs or sellers from Christie House used to come to the hotel, especially for Art Basel. So I got a lot of interesting insight um, from that aspect. And so uh, once I got out of the hospitality industry, because I no longer wanted to go into that direction, and I realized I, was, I also used, worked at the hotel to get more clients. I always done kind of custom artwork uh, on the side. Well, actually, I started off doing the traditional route, um, doing galleries and shows um, with my own personal work. And I end up always finding that people liked the work, but they always kind of wanted something a little bit more custom to their home um, or business. And so I started kind of seeing a uh, kind of like an open your niche in a market for custom work. And just from a business perspective, you know, these galleries are very expensive. So you spend anywhere between three to $10,000 to showcase your artwork um, with the hopes that you sell the work on top of, you know, you essentially renting out the space on the gallery fee, you also get charged a commission fee if they sell the work. So from a business point, standpoint, I saw there's a lot of money that you have to invest upfront. Um, in my opinion, it was a lot of high risk or very low return. And I just didn't feel like that was uh, the smart way uh, to being successful, um, financially successful <laughs> um, in, in the art world. So after doing galleries, I've been Art Basel uh, numerous times. And I just, I wouldn't make enough money to get my investment back. And 
again, I didn't want to be a starving artist. So going back to, you know, speaking to, you know, potential clients at these gallery shows, I saw a need for more custom work. So I, I took advantage. I was like, you know what, let me focus more on the custom um, part of painting, whether paintings or for murals. Um, just because, you know, from a business standpoint, you get a, you know, how I uh, work with my clients is I ask for 50% deposit up front, covers the cost of the materials and um, the paints, and then the other 50% once the mural is completed. So there's none of the money that I'm using up front of is my own. It's the client's money. So it's kind of like a win-win um, situation for both uh, the client who, you know, um, gets their custom piece that they want. And then for myself, it's a way to make consistent um, money. So that's kind of in a nutshell, <laughs> right. um, how I came to, to do the custom, custom murals and, and paintings. And, and over the years, I started off with more custom paintings. And then uh, with Wynwood, um, the Wynwood Art District down in Miami, Florida, it kind of evolved into more of a demand for murals, um, not only for you know children's rooms, but also for businesses and commercial properties. All right, so what you've done is really, you've selected a niche for yourself that ended up really making you command a fee premium. You have narrowed the market down so that people will say to themselves, well, there's only like five people I can get to do a really good mural and you're you're immediately in the conversation i mean that the niche market takes sometimes takes people years to figure out and that's something that we find in in other businesses people don't grasp right away how did you discover that murals were going to be the thing that uh, that people recognize you for, because you, as you said, you were doing gallery shows and Art Basel is, uh, you know, it's one of the biggest shows here. It's one of the biggest shows in the world, but it's here in Miami. How did you realize that? Hey, listen, murals are going to be my thing. This is what people are going to know me for. Um, well, it all started off, um, you know, I think with any entrepreneur, they all start off with their their friends and families. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I created with the murals, started a lot of children's rooms. That was really popular. And then from the children's rooms, again, it was very difficult to find an artist um, that can do custom work, that didn't do, oh, it's only my type of style that I can do. Um, a lot of artists tend to have this ego uh, where they don't want to go outside of their comfort zone and experiment and challenge themselves for their client which sounds kind of a little ironic, but it's the truth. So, you know, starting with the friends and family and then kind of word started going around um, that I can do these type of different types of styles. And I think what really helped a lot of with was social media. Um, social media helped tremendously in terms of, you know, that referral um, aspect. So as technology evolved, um, especially in the past 10 years, I think not just for myself, but artists in general, has helped out tremendously because before, you know, you would have the artist managers or the galleries be that middleman to uh, connect you with the clients or connect you, um, you know, with different types of businesses. But now, in my opinion, I feel like an artist has more control and more options that they don't necessarily need that middleman um, to help them connect them with different artists. Um, now the middleman is an app. <laughs> right. Um, and 
you know, you're not limited to where the gallery is. You're not limited necessarily where you live. Um, I got I, actually most of my clients are not in Miami. Most of my clients are um, throughout Florida. So, for example, I use an app called Thumbtack, which I greatly recommend um, artists like myself take advantage of. This app is fantastic, and it's kind of like your artist manager, and, and the fees are very low um, in contrast to what you actually make on the app. And so it's kind of like a referral where you have, you know, the right type of clientele, the right target market of clients um, who are interested in projects, who have projects that they're looking for artists um, to fulfill. So there's a little bit of a bidding aspect to it because um, you're competing with other artists. But I think that's where it's important for artists to not only work on your creative part, but also in the selling and the business aspect, because that's how you can really differentiate yourself from other artists. And so you just have, nowadays you just have, I feel like artists have a lot more control over, you know, who their clients are and who um, values your work. And, and at the same time, there's different platforms where you can um, expose yourself um, and sell yourself as well. Um, it took me a while to figure out what my target market was. Um, but, you know, with traveling, with um, going to different networking events, I realized that my target market, because, you know, custom work um, tends to be more of, you know, people that have a higher income. It also depends on how, what your price range is. You know, I've been doing it for 10 years. So it comes to a certain point where you don't want to charge, you know, such a low range, um, especially for more complicated type of work, um, more intricate type of work, large scale type of work. Also, you end up realizing, you know what, I think I need to raise up um, the prices of the work and also on the demand too, especially using these types of apps. Um, you know, it, you it's very labor intensive i tell people all the time it's it's a lot harder than what you think it is and there's a lot of process a lot of time that goes into it so you also have to sit down and, and realize okay how you know how much time am i putting into it and then what what cost the, the cost and then what what's value of my time and so as you, i got more work i had more in my portfolio as i got more in demand i realized i had to raise my prices at a higher level and so my target market kind of changed um to where it's more of a higher income and the great thing about for example the thumbtack app is you can kind of um you can target certain areas certain zip codes um to to where you want to target so kind of doing researching on you know household income and from there a better position to me to target the clients that not only value the work but are able to um, accept the the price range in the last few minutes you just covered so much that i want to make sure we highlight exactly yeah, I'm sorry. What... no 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 it's perfect because you you're doing this naturally and these are things that i have to beat into my clients over time so what I, what I want to make sure we do, I want to make sure we highlight everything you covered from a marketing and uh, business standpoint. So 
what you've discovered on your own is number one, and, and I highlighted this right at the beginning, was figuring out a niche market for yourself so that you automatically narrowed the field down. Basically, you made yourself uh, a category of one. If you want a custom mural, you know, there, there, there are maybe five people or six people you can call within a, a travelable area that will come and do a custom mural for you. If you want a custom mural in the southeast of the United States, there may only be two other people who will do this. So that's the first thing you did. The second thing you did was you figured out the secret of distribution so that you didn't have to use an agent, a gallery, someone to get your work directly to the audience. So for those of you out there who are listening, who are watching, if you're an artist, you're an author, you're a professional speaker, you are someone who uses a, an intermediary, a middleman to get your work to your audience, you have more control over your future if you find a way to directly distribute your work or directly market your work to people. The third thing that you did, that you highlighted, that it takes me forever to get people to understand is... You want to put yourself in a financial position so that you don't ever wind up holding the bag. I work with so many people who get paid after the work is done. And what I tell them is wealthy people, successful people get paid up front. And people who are less successful or people who are willing to take more risk get paid after the work is done. You get at least half of your fee up front. So you're never out costs. You're never out anything you know, the relationship doesn't go bad. 99.9% .9 of the time, the relationship never goes bad. But if it ever does, you're not out anything. It doesn't, it hasn't cost you anything. In fact, you've made at least some money for doing the work. You, and you've also figured out that segmenting your market and using a marketing uh, venue or using a marketing, um, a marketing uh, strategy that targets specific people who purchase art is more valuable to you because it allows you to optimize your time, your money, your marketing efforts. So you, you're able to segment your market and then focusing on affluent consumers makes more sense for you because why would you focus on somebody that's going to struggle to pay you focus on an affluent consumer because they're going to be able to pay whatever fee you command, regardless of the economic situation. And the referrals you're going to get from those people are other affluent consumers who will appreciate and be able to afford to pay you so you don't have to worry about whatever the fee is all of that is the, these are things that you came to realize on your own i think partially because you're smart and you're a savvy business person and also partially because of the nature of your work right poor people don't buy art so the nature of your work has led you to this but what you've really done is you've created a business model that makes sense for everyone. It's really, uh, you've, you've really done a very nice job there. All right, let's talk about the, the logistical aspects of doing, like murals are big, right? And uh, in the pictures, again, if you go to YouTube or you go to my website, you'll see, you know, your work is like the side of a building right yeah. uh, the small the smallest thing you do is like inside and it's a 12 foot ceiling and you're doing floor to ceiling work so tell us take us behind the scenes tell us what it's like how do you like how do you figure out how much space it's going to take up i mean you might you must do some sketches first how do you figure that out start there well the first process is i do kind of of a interview 
uh, with the client. Um, first thing I need to uh, assess from the interview is, you know, the location. Is it indoors? Is it outdoors? Um, the accessibility of the location. Um, for example, when I do commercial properties, um, is there a certain time frame that I'm allowed to be in the building um, to do those projects? Uh, that's a, a big factor. Um, the inside outside, you know, if it's an outside work, what time of the year is it? Is it during hurricane season? Is it during the raining season? Is it, you know, 100% um, humidity? Uh, so location is a very big factor. Um, second is what is the client's vision? Um, for example, if it's for a home, right? If it's for a children, for a, a child's room, um, or is it for a business? You know, what is their their goal? What's their main objective? Is it to attract more business, um, attract more attention, visual attention to their business? Um, then the third thing is the subject matter of the work. Um, is there a lot of details into it? Is it more geometric shapes? Is it a uh, people? Um, you know, size of the wall is very important, but also the subject matter is just as important. Um, for example, if it's, you know, side of the building, but all it is is just, you know, or geometric shapes, um, that could be done in a much shorter time than uh, the side of the building and it's uh, stripes with, perfect stripes with, you know, 10 human faces. Uh, so size of the wall and the subject matter are super important as well as the location. Um, so those kind of like the three main things um, that we discuss in the, in the, inter in the uh, consultation process. Um, so then the next step is budget. I always ask my client, do they have a budget? Most of the time, um, they don't have a budget, which is fine, but the ones that do, it gives me kind of a range on what, you know, price that they're comfortable with. Um, but already with, you know, the size of the wall, um, sometimes, for example, for big projects, um, the consultation is in person. You know, I see the, the location, I see the texture of the wall, which is very important too. Now, depending on the texture of the wall, um, how the sun hits the wall, um, the weather condition, is there a roof over the wall that's not gonna affect the paint? Um, so there's, there's a lot of details that go just in the consultation process. And just, just based on that, you know, then I assess, or you know, the time, um, the materials used, for example, large scale murals, a lot of times you have to use um, like boom lifts, which are very expensive. Um, so that, you know, in the, in the quote that I give to the, the client after our, the consultation, um, I assess all those things. And then the type of paint, you know, when you're doing large scale murals, I like to use top quality paint because, you know, I see the mural for the, the client as an investment. So I, it's very important for me to use quality type of paint. Um, so the mural can last, you know, as long as possible, um, especially for businesses. And uh, so all those things in together, then I come up with a quote and I showcase that to the client. And then based on that, that's where um, either the client, you know, agrees with it or, you know, I make some, we negotiate back and forth until we come to a price that's comfortable for both of us. Okay. And then when you are putting, like figuring out 
if the work is going to fit in the space and all and all of that stuff like is that just of you know the, uh, that's obviously your talent that's your that's the vision that you have is there is there like math involved do you have to like make a grid and figure it out like how do you figure out like the work that you've done you know the scale seems to me to be perfect for the space how do you figure out the scale of it so once you know the the client agrees with the quote um, then we go more in detail with the actual design so i tell a lot of people like a lot of times i feel like i'm actually like an interior designer <laughs> um because you know there's so much process that goes into it it's not just creating something and just go on the wall and hope it looks good. Um, so when you come to the designing process, um, you know, the main thing is measuring the space. Uh, once I have the measure measurements of the space, um, then I use Photoshop. Add some Photoshop, then I create um, the actual size of the wall. Or for example, say the wall is 120 feet by 12 feet. So in Photoshop, I'll make it 102 inches by 12 inches. And then from there, I can assess the proportions of based on whatever the client uh, wants, the concept, the theme of the mural. And then from there, then I play with the different designs. And so I create a series of designs based on their concept. And then I showcase that to the artist. I mean, show the case that to the client. Right. And I so it's an actual like real life mock of design. So not only do I create the sketch, but at the same time I take pictures of the location. So I implement the design into the picture so they can see what would the mural actually look like. Okay. And then from there, then, you know, we go back and forth in terms of modifying it until they're completely satisfied with the mock-up design and everything's proportioned to how it would realistically look like as mm -hmm. much as possible. So, you know, once we reach an agreement with that, then I already set myself up for the actual um, painting process. Now, it all depends on the mural. So for example, there's some murals where um, after they agree on the design, then what I do is, for example, some murals have stencils that are involved. So there's a whole, um, printing and designing aspect to the stencils but the main thing is getting the measurements and then on photoshop i split up in different grids so i find what's the middle point of the wall then i find what's i guess split up into four quarters and then the the middle and then middle of the wall and middle across the wall so from there i print out the design and when i'm at the location i know where the key points are so it makes them just much easier i mean you'll see some artists just freehand everything but there's a method to that it's not just something that comes up into their mind and then they implement it there's a whole which to me takes the longest <laughs> right. um, it's the whole measuring design and um uh, structuring everything before you even start painting just so everything comes you know looks professional everything um looks as close as possible to the design that the client approved. Right, right. And it all and it all varies. Every every project is completely different. Um, for example, I, the last mural um, that I created was a Louis Vuitton mural, and they want a kind of like a wallpaper effect where the the mural look looks like if they put a wallpaper, so it, it looks it has to look exactly like perfect. So there was, you know, after I measured the wall, I did a, 
um, stencils. I created a whole um, stencils on the Photoshop, printed that out, and in proportion to exactly how the client would want it. And um, then itself, I did a, a, on my YouTube channel, I did a video of that process. Um, so if, if anybody was interested to kind of see what that process looks like for that aspect, they can look into that as well. But every project is different. But the main thing is, you know, just to kind of recap is measuring the wall and then um, taking design, putting it in Photoshop, proportioning it to the wall, showing the mock-up design to the client, making any modifications if necessary, and then printing out the design, finding out the, the main points of the wall, the middle, um, spin up into four parts, and then um, taking that and then, of course, blowing it up onto the wall. What is the consultation like when you're sitting down with the client? Do all clients have a vision in mind or do you have to help them think that through? I mean, with a kid, I would imagine it's great. They want, you know, Spider-Man or they want, exactly. you know, like some Marvel superhero or something. Um, but with an adult, like what is the, or with a commercial project, do they have something in mind? Do they bring that to you or do you have to help them think of it? So I always ask the client to provide some type of picture or imagery, something for me to um, work with. Um, I've kind of in the past, I kind of made a mistake where I work with clients that had absolutely no idea what they wanted. Absolutely not even, you know, I want cats in the, on the wall, like not even like a subject matter. And it was very difficult. And, and I, you know, I would waste a lot of time trying to come up um, with, themes or ideas that I felt would look best based on the furniture, based on the theme of the home, um, things of those nature. And a lot of times those type of clients end up being very indecisive. Mm -hmm. And um, I would just felt like I would waste a lot of time with those clients. And in the end, they wouldn't move forward. Uh, so over the years, I've just became a little bit more pickier with my clients. And um, you know, having some type of deal, like you, like you mentioned, you know, if it's kids room, Spider-Man. Okay. I can work with that. That's the subject matter. Or I want cats or I want Louis Vuitton. Um, just having the subject matter is really important because then I can, and then of course, as I ask questions, you know, is this is for a kid's room? I look at the furniture. How old is the child? You know, it was something that they could grow out tomorrow. You know, if it's, you know, 10 years old, I have to make it a little bit more, um, uh, more grown than if it was for a four-year-old. So mm -hmm. then kind of putting the pieces, talking with the client, um, seeing the style of the home, for example, or if it's for a business, um, seeing the color scheme of the business, seeing where the mirror is located, then I can come up with kind of fill in the other holes, um, uh, uh, kind of put together the other parts of the puzzle for the client. Um, but the biggest thing for me is just having that, that subject matter. And of course, I always ask them if they have, you know, any imagery of something that they like, for example. And then from there, I can kind of base um, my ideas and kind of get creative and come up with some uh, creative solutions and designs for the client. Yeah. You mentioned Thumbtack is one of the ways that you attract new clients. How, how else do new clients come to you? Um, social media and really... I get, and it's funny because on Instagram, I'll get a lot more requests than I do on Facebook, but mm. the quality of the, the requests um, are much better on Facebook than on Instagram. Um, just, you know, 
really over time, I realized kind of like the age range of my clients are from like 40 to 60. So they tend not to be on Instagram, more on Facebook. And so the quality of the leads tend to be a lot better on Facebook. Um, on Instagram, I have more of a younger following. So they're of course more interested in doing it, but not in the, in the price range. Um, so that's kind of like where I, I find myself and, and use definitely using the YouTube channel. I notice every time I post, you know, a video on it, I always get some type of quality lead. And then for me, what's really important is the quality rather than quantity. Um, right. Just because this work takes a lot of time and it's also labor intensive. I, I try to <laughs> explain to people, I, you know, I feel like I'm a, you know, a contractor because <laughs> um, of the type of work um, that, that, that goes into it. It's, it's, it's hardcore. Um, yeah. so I'm fine. You know, I, I'm average, you know, before the pandemic, <laughs> um, I was averaging between, you know, two to three projects a month, which doesn't sound a lot, but if they're, you know, very quality leads, that's, that's more than enough. Well, and it's uh, also a, a tremendous amount of work. I mean, three yeah. projects a month, that gives you basically like a week and a day to a week and two days to get a project done. And I mean, if it's not a complex project, I imagine that's enough time. But like, I mean, can you do more than one project a week? That would seem like it's, it would be crazy, right? That's a lot of, but well, between planning and actually executing, that's a lot of work. Well, I, I end up finding myself, I always try to book myself about like two men, two months in advance. Mm -hmm. um, so that gives me time to kind of spread out the work. Um, but I, you know, I found myself, uh, towards end of last year where, you know, projects were kind of overriding one another. And so I was doing like two projects at the same time. And then, you know, the, the, the demand, which was a great problem but the demand, it was really like going up and I just couldn't, I just couldn't physically, I couldn't keep up right. um, with the work. So that's when I decided I really need to, um, raise really raise like double the price of right. the work um because if not i'm gonna burn myself out uh, which eventually that's what i did and and so i i, I ended up taking after i did a a few i did a building it was uh 120 feet by 15 feet wow. and, and that was two weeks um that we did that and i i burned myself out <laughs> From that, and that's when I, I kind of realized, like, I really need to um, literally double the price of of the work, um, and it's okay if I have one or two projects a month, but you know, those one or two projects can equal between you know five to ten grand a month, and that's fine. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's not right. so much as how much work I have; it's more of you know the quality of each work. Right, right. And when you, do you do any qualification with the people like on the phone before you actually go out to meet with them? How do you know that they, you know, we talk about all the time that they have to have a problem you can solve. They have to have the ability to make a decision. They have to be the person who can say yes. And they also have to have money. They have to be able to afford you. So the problem you can solve is obviously they have space, they appreciate art, and they want something unique for for that space, right? So they don't call you unless they have that. So you're so that level of qualification, you're set. 
right? How do yeah. you determine that, number one, they're the decision maker? They can say yes. They don't have to check with their spouse. They don't have to check with their boss if it's a commercial place. And then number two, how do you determine that they can actually afford to have a unique custom piece of art, you know, in their facility on their walls? Um, so what's fantastic about so it kind of varies between how they contact me. If they contact me through Thumbtack, it's one way. If they contact me through social media, it's another way. So for example, for Thumbtack, um, the people who are on Thumbtack are serious. And that's why I really like that platform. Like they want to do a project, they want to do it now, or at least within the next week or two. So they're kind of have a different type of like, um, uh, how you say English, kind of like a, a um, vigor, uh, like mm -hmm. incentive. Like I want to get it done. Yeah. Uh, I just need to know what the price is. So that helps out tremendously rather than kind of social media sometimes tends to be, Oh, I'm just kind of curious. Mm -hmm. You know, I just kind of, you know, I'm not sure for it, but like, I just want to know. So there's not, um, urgency. That was a word. Uh, there's not, not that sense of urgency, like the clients that I get from Thumbtack. Um, so that plays a big part into it. And then the second part is, you know, I asked the client, you know, right away, take a picture of the space. For example, if it's, you know, homes is a little bit easier than, for example, commercial properties, which is just other hurdles with that. So, um, for example, if it's for a home, you know, I tell the client, you know, take a picture of the wall, send me the measurements, and from there, based on, and then we talk about, you know, what is their, you know, what's the theme, the concept of the work, um, uh, any imagery, so I could get an idea, and then from there, I can kind of already, uh, what's your deadline? Where's the location of the house? So once they answer those questions, they're from right, right, right there. And then I could pretty much give them a quote. Um, mm -hmm. So then from the quote, then I can assess whether or not they are able to move forward. So that conversation, five, 10 minutes. And from there, I, I know whether or not we can move forward or not before. Before I used to do is I used to create the sketch for them, kind of like in good faith. Um, oh, I'll create the sketch and they'll fall in love with the sketch. Um, and then whatever price I say, they'll get it. And that was not the right way <laughs> of doing yeah. it because um, you end up wasting a lot of time, you know, right. just creating a sketching aspect is takes, takes time. And so I'll just find myself, you know, after doing that, it, it didn't really matter um, whether or not they loved it or not. If it was not in their price range, you just weren't going to do it or they were lowballing me. Um, right the crazy price that it just wasn't worth it. Uh, so I tend to be very, you know, straightforward upfront in the beginning. And from there I can assess whether or not they can move forward. And there's always room for negotiation um, too. So, you know, definitely, you know, going back and forth until we both feel comfortable on the price. And then that's how I know whether we can move forward. So that's for more for the homes. For the commercial properties, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, depends. Uh, a lot of times they have budgets. Mm -hmm. So from right there and then I can know. Uh, and that budget doesn't have too much of a wiggle room. So, you know, either that's what I can work with or not. Um, there's also one advantage for me is I have um, general liability insurance which a lot of artists don't have. And, and if you ever work in a project, a commercial property, you need to have those licensing. So um, even in, after we agree on the price, then they ask me for all the paperwork and 
um, you know, work compensation, business ID, all those things too. And, you know, usually the people who contact me from the commercial property is like the secretary or the assistant. So they have to then, you know, show that design um, to their, you know, their superior, superior their, the board members or the, um, the owner. And so it's kind of like communication going uh, back and forth through a third sure. person. So sure. the process is a little bit longer um, with that. So it kind of varies on who, but really in the end of the day, you know, Thumbtack, they have a more urgency to get the project done on social media. Um, it's more of, mm, you know, just kind of cur the curiosity. But, yeah. but lately, um, again, before the, all of this has happened, uh, the, I guess with the YouTube channel, with um, a lot of the, the comments and sharing of the Facebook posts, um, you know, the clients that came up to me again in that age range between 40, 60 are serious. They're like, no, I want that piece. How much is it going to be? And since, you know, my type of work, I not limited to where I live. I can <laughs> drive anywhere, fly anywhere. Um, it kind of gives me more of the flexibility to uh, connect with different clients. Yeah. Now you mentioned something really important. So do you, you, um, you work and you build through a business entity, right? Do you, so you, you have your own business set yes. up and mm -hmm. you're, so you, so your, your liability is covered that way. You also yes. have liability insurance so that people feel comfortable, um, which is, which is really important. A lot of people who provide personal services or who are, you know, involved in, uh, work for hire, don't think about that. Like I, I work with people who are, uh, who are authors, who are, uh, you know, who are doing professional speaking and they just bill under their own name, not thinking about all of the, all of the ramifications associated with that. So that's another, that's another interesting point. Um, all right. So tell me, the tax advantages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> tell me, uh, tell me about the, the most difficult project you've ever had to do. What's the most difficult project you've ever had to do? Uh, I think every project has a challenge. <laughs> Literally every project has a challenge um, because every client is so different. And I've, I've never really done a project. I mean, the only thing that's been trending lately, it's speech murals. <laughs> so, so that, what, what is, what is that? Explain what that is. Um, so just lately I've been getting a lot of requests, um, for, for clients wanting a, a beach themed mural in their backyard. Oh, beach. I thought you said speech. So they want to, so they want to feel like they're at the beach. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, a popular, I've already done it twice. So that's the only one that I, you know, know the process down pat. Um, but every, every project is super different and everyone has its challenges. Um, I think the most challenging type of murals are um, the outside murals because you have that weather component. And, you know, in South Florida, there's no concept of season other than really, really hot or hurricanes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, that, you know, proposed a huge challenge um, and also the location of where the mural is. And it's just, it's just really labor intensive. Like for example, uh, the mural uh, that I, well, a uh, mural that I created in, in November, um, again, 120 feet by 15 feet. And during <laughs> those two weeks, 
uh, it was 11 days. We worked 11 days uh, on the mural. Between that 11 day, it was, you know, 100 degrees outside. Then it dropped, then it had a, we had a cold front. And so it dropped into like the 50s. And then, you know, thunderstorms in between. So, <laughs> um, and we're working, I mean, when you're doing outside work specifically, you know, you're working 12 to 16 hours a day. So it was such a challenge, you know, painting in those type of, you know, weather conditions. And it just drastically changed with each day, um, you know, especially when it's raining, you know, you're worried about, and it's, it's down here in Florida, you never know when it rains, you know, it could be blue skies and then, you know, next thing you know, you know, in an hour it's pouring. And it's uh, not even, it's not even on the forecast. It's just one cloud that comes over one side of the street. Yeah, so then you have to stop or you hope that the paint dried really quickly so it doesn't, you know, drip all over uh, the wall. Um, you know, one of, one of the challenges uh, that I have is, you know, since I use really high quality paint and the techniques that I use, it takes me longer to do the, the murals. But, you know, I do it in that way. So the mural lasts, you know, for at least 10 years. Because uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of artists that use spray painting. You know, it's really popular. And I'm really not the biggest fan of spray paint because, you know, spray paint within a year, it starts fading. Mm -hmm. um, and anyone who goes, you know, down to the Winwood Art District, any of those murals are done in spray painting. Yeah, in, in a couple of months, um, it's already fading. And to me, you know, I mean, spray painting, what it takes me 11 days to do, I could do it in three days. But the quality, it's just, it's not going to be there, especially with, you know, hurricanes and rain and the heat and the sun down here in Florida. It really takes a beating on those murals. Uh, so definitely implementing, you know, again, it takes me a lot longer to do, but it's more of those quality type of paints and techniques. Um, it's a challenge for me physically, but in the end, it, it, it drives, you know, quality results. And that's really what's most important. But it's definitely, a, it's, again, every mural is a challenge. <laughs> right. So that brings up an interesting point. Do you, uh, like, I've heard you talk about how you, like, like your big Winwood mural, the one with the sunglasses that I put in the, that I put the pictures that I took in the introduction uh, on the video. That mural, I've heard you talk about having to go touch it up. I mean, obviously, that's a big marketing oh, piece yeah. for you. That's, that's a big marketing great. piece for you because people mm -hmm. who are in Winwood are into art. That's the art district in Miami. People drive by, they see it, and they want something similar. With a, with a, with a client piece, do you incorporate touch-ups into your pricing, or would they have to have you come back? Like, if it's an outdoor thing, I, I would imagine indoors doesn't need to be touched up that much, but, like, an outdoor piece, does that, do you have to um, schedule, like, a touch-up to come back every couple of years? How does that work? Um, well, for the mural that I created in, in Wynwood, um, that was for a client. Um, it was for, um, they have a, a men's clothing store. So one of the reasons why they hired me to paint uh, that wall is because they were constantly getting vandalized, uh, uh, graffiti on the wall. <laughs> and so they thought, well, if we have a mural on the wall, then, you know, these people will be less inclined to, you know, graffiti up <laughs> the business. Yeah. So 
That's I didn't realize. I didn't realize that was for. I didn't realize that was for a client because that's a great marketing piece for you because it's a high traffic area. It's the entire length of the building. That's it's and it's a fantastic piece. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, it was for a client, you know, and I kind of took advantage of of the area and and the design of it because I, you know, they had a men's clothing store, and so I didn't want to be, you know, cliche and just have a bunch of you know, men in suits on the wall. So I kind of wanted to change it up. And, you know, why do, why do men like wearing suits? Um, you know, part of that is, is the selling point for, and this is what the, the owner told me, it's kind of like a, a sexual appeal, like having, like wearing a nice suit, you know, to attract the woman. So I thought, well, you know, why don't I change it up and, you know, have a woman, you know, with the sunglasses, but she's looking at the man wearing the suit. So kind of changing it up and having, you know, a big face and then blonde hair, it really just attracts your attention. Like, what is this? You know, all oh, this is really cool. And then you look inside the glasses and it's a man wearing um, a suit, Blue Skyland, Miami. Uh, so um, it's kind of like a, almost like a subliminal message. Uh, right. you, want, you want to attract women, you want women to be looking at you like that. Oh, who's that man wearing the suit? So kind of playing with the design, but at the same time, you know, making something different, unique but that will still attract attention um, to his business. So kind of foreshadowing before uh, what, uh, you know, the, the, the original uh, idea of why he wanted a mural there, uh, you know, once, I mean, that, that mural was, was very challenging um, to create. But once I completed the mural, again, I got a lot of, a, he got a, a, a lot more foot traffic because now the people realize there was actually even a business there. Right. Begin with. And it was didn't look like it was vandalized since there was no graffiti on there. But that same year, during our Basel, ironically, um, the last year of our Basel, someone vandalized the mural. Oh no! And it wasn't just my mural; it was like almost all the murals in Winwood. I mean, there was just like a group of of kids, I guess, that came with spray painted and just vandalized all the murals down in Winwood which ironically during our Basel, the last day of our Basel. Um, so of course, when that happened, I was devastated. The owner was devastated <laughs> um, from that and all the other businesses around. So, you know, we kind of made an agreement. It's like, listen, and it was kind of like an ego thing as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure. Because um, I thought there was some like level of respect of, because I would see some, you know, vandalizing of the buildings but it wasn't on the murals right it was like maybe next to it so i was like okay i guess there's some like level of respect but after that i realized that they were just that didn't really matter yeah uh, they were just so i kind of yeah so i kind of worked you know with the owner i said like, listen i'm not going to to charge you to fix it up um you know so he paid for the materials for the paints um uh, for the mural and then i i went in and I, and I touched up it was more of a um not only an ego thing but also coming from uh, family of businesses, I kind of understood and I, and I felt bad for him. Um, and, and it wasn't just his business. It was just all over Winwood. So I took that, I didn't have to do that, but right. um, I took that upon myself, um, to, to do that for him. And then for other clients, um, again, since I use really quality paints, um, if it doesn't get vandalized, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, I mean, it lasts like seven, 10 years yeah easily so there's no need and i do that purposely 
there's no need to um, really do any touch-ups to to the to the mural. So, and again, that shows that the quality of the work and also the reflection of the price, too. Sure, sure. All right. So, what's the best place people can go to see to see your art and to and to get in touch with you? We're gonna I'm gonna put your Instagram, your YouTube. Uh, I'm gonna put Facebook all in the show notes. But what's a where where should people go? Like right now, if somebody's watching this or listening to this and they're super excited and they want to check out the murals, where can they go to look at them? Um, so the best way um, you can you know, not only just see the paintings, but also kind of see the process of the paintings, which really people really enjoy. Um, um, either Facebook or Instagram. And I post a lot of videos, stories, uh, while I'm doing the process of the artwork, uh, which is, you know, it's really insightful for, for people who enjoy art um, because, you know, it's not just about the final piece, but it's about the process and mm -hmm. how to get to that. So it really, um, it really gives you know the audience a more of appreciation um, for the work, and it's also, um, and also in a sense entertaining as well to kind of see how it all comes together. Okay, so what's the what's the what's your Instagram uh, yeah. handle? Where do they go? Yeah, so my Instagram handle is um, Becca underscore Castell, and then uh, my Facebook is Becca Castell Custom Artwork Services. And of course, um, my YouTube channel is Becca Castell. So I go in a little bit more in depth on my YouTube channel on the process of the murals. Um, so kind of kind of recapping of everything that we kind of spoke today to really kind of see that visually um, in, in the YouTube channel and the YouTube channel is Becca Castell. Okay, so look for, the, look for all of those things in the show notes. Uh, if, you're, if you're watching on YouTube, um, I'm going to put the phone number um, below the uh, you know as a graphic here what's the best phone number so that we have it for the podcast yeah it's uh 305-987-9121 and then um also my email address is info at beccacastell.com so if anyone's interested in a custom uh, mural or painting for their home or business um they're more welcome to message me through there okay so you'll and you'll go anywhere in the world right yeah anywhere all right. Perfect. All right. This has been great. This was a clinic on the business of art, but more importantly, the business of professional services. Becca, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for sharing with us. I mean, we could have probably talked for another hour about your gallery experiences and everything else, but we'll save that for another time. Thanks again for joining us. It was great to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. Thanks for joining us, folks. We are here every single day with great information that you need in order to get inside business strategy, insider business secrets, and inside all the BS involved with business. My guest today is Becca Castell. Thank you so much for, for joining us. And we'll see you right back here again tomorrow for another edition of the Do This, Sell More show.